Hello and welcome to the Holistic with a W podcast. As distinguished from our longer holistic health podcast that involves video, this is just me yapping into the microphone a bit informally. It's when I want to say some things and it's easier to just speak it out and spitball than to try to write a coherent article. Now today I'm going to be getting onto that third rail of politics, which I've been trying to avoid. I really want my blog to be welcoming to people of any sort of political persuasion within reason. (laughs) And I don't want people to feel like they're not welcome here because of whatever politics that said, and I also don't want people angry at me because I don't share their politics. But that said, I have to be honest. And I have noticed in the past that when I'm not being fully honest, it's not so great for my health and my well-being. And there was a time where I was working at the largest yoga studio in Austin, Texas. And that was nice to work there and I enjoyed it. But I felt like I had to censor myself. And I couldn't really be myself. And so I I can relate to people who feel like they want to be able to be themselves without people judging them because it can be not so great when you are feeling stifled. And I, I actually believe that part of the reason I got really sick in 2017 was that I was feeling really stifled. So I want to unstifle myself, but unfortunately in doing so, I'm going to turn some people off. And I'm sure I've probably already turned people off simply by writing this blog. So I guess it's, uh, you know, no big surprise there. Uh, and if you're still hanging around, thank you so much. I'm really going to get into the uh, the landmines of the current body politic right now. And landmines, we, I mean, the, we have so many landmines right now. And, and I think that's also not very healthy. And I'm sick of the landmines, but I'm also tired of trying to avoid the landmines and tippy-toeing around it, trying to stay off the landmines. So I'm just going to go just drive right in and just jump into the landmine right here <laughs> because uh, it just, what's the point of not doing it? At this point, I'm probably on a whole bunch of lists being told, you know, being somebody's claiming somewhere that I'm a, I'm a horrible anti-vaxxer, misinformation, disinfo, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So so how's this going to make things any different? Anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. So I read a story yesterday from Business Insider, and it just made me like ugh, multiple eye rolls going on here. And I'm going to read part of it to you and give you a little bit of analysis and also kind of relate this to the big problem that those of us who are part of the health freedom movement are going to come up against particularly if you're in America and it's 2022 and we've got midterms coming up. And once again, like I said, I don't want to make this right versus left. Uh, Unfortunately, it has become that even though it's not right versus left. So I'm going to get into that. And that's really a good portion of what I want to talk about today. Okay, so here's the headline. Trump says everybody wanted COVID-19 vaccines when he was president, despite the fact that millions of his supporters rejected them. Let me read that again. Trump says everybody wanted COVID-19 vaccines when he was president, despite the fact that millions of his supporters rejected them. Okay, now this is one of the stupidest headlines I have ever read for a number of reasons. First of all, Trump, love or hate Trump, Trump's dead wrong. Everybody didn't want the COVID-19 vaccines when he was president. In fact, it was the opposite. It was the Democrats who were saying they didn't want Trump's rushed vaccines. Remember that? I mean, Biden said it, Kamala Harris said it. So they were all like, oh, I don't know if we want to take these vaccines. They're rushed, (laughs) okay? 
So so they they completely flip flopped once Trump was out of office. All right. So then uh, the headline says the fact that millions of his supporters rejected them. Now, I don't think this is really proven or is it necessarily objectively true? Is it possibly or probably true that millions of Trump supporters have rejected the vaccines? Yes, but also millions of Biden supporters have also rejected the, the vaccines. And I know that people on the, I don't even want to call them Biden supporters because I know quite a few people voted for Biden and they didn't really like him. So Biden voters is a probably a better term. There's there's quite a few people who have commented on this blog that they are not on the right and they are not taking the vaccines. So this is just silly on its face. But this is the problem that we are going to be having, particularly in the next six to eight months or so here in the United States, because I'm pretty much sure I could be wrong that the Democrats are going to make this a big thing. And the media, let's face it, if you are being any halfway objective, and I know a lot of people don't see it, but once you see it, you can't unsee it. If you're if you really step back, the majority of the mainstream media is Democrat and they push Democratic policies, Democratic politicians, and they are particularly critical of Republicans. And it's the bias is obvious. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. And that doesn't mean that you have to like Republicans. But if you're going to be fair, you, you just have to acknowledge it. And that's why there's all this conservative media that's popped up. I'm annoyed because I just want an impartial media. I don't want conservative media. I don't want liberal media. I want what we, I think we used to have. Maybe we didn't. Maybe it was always partial. And I just didn't see it when I was a kid. I want an impartial media so I can make my own choice. That's not what we have here. <clears throat> this article is very partisan and it's not even that subtle. Here's the, f the first bullet point says, former President Trump falsely said everybody wanted the vaccine when he was in office. Why put falsely in there? That's ridiculous. Just report what he said and keep your damn opinion out of it. This is supposed to be a news article, not an opinion article. Now, on my blog, I am not writing straight news articles. Mine are more like a combo of news and opinion. And it's clear that it's my opinion. And you know that I have a bias. This is a biased opinion piece masquerading as a neutral news report. And I have a problem with this because this is kind of assuming that like, you think President Joe Biden doesn't lie? He's lied a ton over his career. In fact, he was shamed out of the first time he ran for president because he was caught plagiarizing and lying about his background. And most people have forgotten about that, but I haven't. I couldn't believe it when Obama chose him as his running mate. I was like, Biden, the plagiarizer, the guy that lied? That was the first thing that was in my mind. That that was back when we had an impartial press. And you can go look up the old news reports about Biden and they covered it. And they weren't saying, oh, he wasn't, you know, they didn't say, oh, it was the Russians who are trying to make Biden look bad. They were like, well, <laughs> Biden was caught lying. So anyway, former President Trump falsely said everybody wanted the vaccine. Was like, oh, God, that just like that stuff drives me nuts. And, and the thing for me is like it makes me more inclined to try to defend somebody like Trump because it's like you're not being fair to him. You might think he's the most horrible person in the world, but like, ah, anyway. OK. Uh, all right. Next bullet point. Trump supporters refusing to get vaccinated has driven partisan gaps in vaccination. Okay, so I this article doesn't actually show the data that is supporting this. And I'm wondering how exactly have they gotten this data? Because 
as far as I know, when you go get vaccinated, they don't ask you if you're a Republican or a Democrat. They don't. So I know that there's some information out there that maybe more red states or Trump counties in general might have lower vaccination rates. But what this is also not saying is that there are lower vaccination rates among urban Hispanics and Blacks. Now, some of them actually are Trump supporters. I know some of them. Some of them are friends of mine, Black and Hispanic Trump supporters. They do exist. I know them. They're good friends of mine, guys that I've known for like 20, 30 years. They had to come out of the closet to me because in the area that they live in, it's assumed that you're a Democrat. In Los Angeles, I used to live there. It's basically everybody assumed you're a Democrat. And so they, they had to, it's like they were had to coming out, you know, because it's, if like they tell some people, they would, you know, maybe have some very not so nice reactions. So, so this idea that it's just Trump supporters not getting vaccinated is a big load of BS. And, but this is what they're pushing. And I, I pretty much guarantee they're going to be pushing this more and more and more as the midterms get close, because right now the Democrats are down. Uh, overall, like there have been more people switching over to the Republicans than vice versa. People are not happy with the Democrats for a variety of reasons. And, and so that's what's going on. So this is something we need to deal with. If we are trying to get the news out about vaccinations and trying to get an idea out there that maybe we shouldn't be forcing them on people, we're now battling a big, massive media complex that has not only decided to shove the vaccines down everybody's throats, everybody's throats, but they're actively lying and trying to make it out like it's only the evil Trump supporters that are digging their heels in. This is very problematic and it's why I wanted to talk about it today. Okay, so then they quote Trump in this next bullet point and he says, and once I was out, all of a sudden people didn't want it, Trump said, blaming mandates for low uptake. Okay, Trump, you're being, you're being, bless you, but you're being a bit of a dense whatever here. The reason why people didn't want to take them after you were out of office is because all of these side effects came out. Had nothing to do with you, (laughs) everything to do with the side effects. Okay, so let's see. Um, I'll read the first two paragraphs here of the article. Former President Donald Trump said, quote, everybody wanted, unquote, to get a COVID-19 vaccine when he was president and blamed vaccine mandates for low vaccine uptake among some segments of the population, even though millions of his supporters have refused to get vaccinated. Trump, who falsely claimed, there that that phrase is again, falsely claimed, they use that so much, it just drives me nuts. Just say what he said and just keep, keep the whatever, let us choose. We're not, well, some of us are complete morons, but I'd like to think I'm not. Okay. Trump, who falsely claimed vaccines cause autism in children as a presidential candidate, touted the development of COVID-19 vaccines while he was president. This is a badly written sentence, but okay. Here's the thing. You go look on Cheryl Atkinson's website and they actually, the Guy, people at the CDC actually hid some of the data that showed that there was a correlation between the, I believe it was the MMR vaccines and autism, I think actually in young black uh, boys. Uh, I might not have that story completely right because I'm doing this from memory. So you need to look it up. But this article is wrong, actually, in saying this was a false claim. It's a disputed claim, but it is not false. 
And uh, this is also something that is concerning to me about Trump, that he actually was much more critical of vaccines even when he was president prior to COVID. And then all of a sudden he got on this massive vaccine campaign. And then ever since he's just been promoting it like crazy and and making it out like, well, why aren't why aren't you all giving me credit for this? Because I'm the father of the vaccine. Like, I'm like, dude, you don't want to take credit for this, okay? And I know some of his supporters are like trying to do like six, saying he's doing like, you know, six degree chess strategy or something that somehow he's trying to trick people into this. I, I don't think that's what it is. I, I, you know, he might just be like believing that they're great and he does have a big ego. So he's wanting to get credit for it. I, I don't know. I, I will say I am actually happy to hear him say that the mandates are causing low up low uptake because that does change the narrative a little bit. That's him basically saying, look, if you keep trying to force it on people, they're going to dig their heels and then they're not going to want to take it. So stop forcing people. And since I'm against the mandates, I'm actually, I actually think that's not a bad strategy or something for him to say. But be that as it may, we are at this problem now where, and we've seen this with the Canadian convoy, which I spent the last week covering quite a bit. And I spent hours and hours and hours watching uh, convoy coverage. Now, I wasn't glued to the television. I was often doing work and I'd have it on in a separate window. So it wasn't like I was like actively looking at every single frame. But I did not see one Nazi flag on those live streams other than that clearly overly advertised one that a lot of people think was a plant. I don't know what was going on with that, but... Even if there was one there, that doesn't mean everybody else is a Nazi. This is just goes back to this like, like second grade level of logic that is being pushed now. Like, well, if one Nazi flag is there, it's it's like one bad apple spoils a whole bunch. No, it doesn't. We don't. We we shouldn't have guilt by association. If one moron with a Nazi flag shows up somewhere, it doesn't mean everybody else is or that they condone that or approve of it. And I I really think at some point some. Some person probably on 4chan is going to get the brilliant idea to start showing up at left-wing protests with Nazi gear and mixing up Nazi symbolism with whatever the cause is, like, here's a Nazi flag and a pro-choice sign, because they are now overly amplifying this stuff in the media when it comes to causes that they don't like. And the media does not like the anti-mandate cause. So they're more than happy to cherry-pick and try to make it look like the anti-vaxxers are Nazis, which is ridiculous because there's nothing more anti-Nazi than saying we don't want to force inject people with something, right? However, logic doesn't apply here. So I've watched a lot of these live streams. I did not see any racism, any racist. I didn't see a Confederate. I did not see a Confederate flag. I did not see a Nazi flag. I saw lots of Canadian flags. Pretty much that's all I saw. I saw Canadian flags and F Trudeau flags. That was it. And lots of people dancing and having a good time and being polite. I mean, Canadians are very polite. So they would, you know, the live streamer would run into somebody. They'd have this very polite conversation. <laughs> and it was, it was, um, it was very, very inspiring, I think. And I think it's sad that so many people like, get caught up in the media and they become afraid. So this is the problem that we're dealing with. And I actually don't know how to solve it, but we need to start to strategize because... 
if we can't figure out how to get around this, basically the bad guys are going to win. And they're going to win because they're really good at mastering, manipulating uh, people's emotions. They they excel at it. Now, once you wake up from it, you're immune. And I think certain people may be more inclined to be immune from it. Uh, but I, I fell for it in the past too. But what makes people immune and how can we wake people up from it? Because this is the big problem. And they are going overdrive, trying to paint, trying to conflate anti-mandate people with racist, misogynists, and Nazis. This is their playbook. They do this all the time with other causes, but now if this has come to this cause, so what are we going to do? Now, I want to share some personal stuff about how I've had to, well, I'm just going to get right into it. This is where I'm going to step on some landmines here, but at this point, I don't care. I'm like, I'm all in. All right, so I mentioned in other articles and podcasts that I have been a, a walkaway, a former Democrat. I walked away 2008, and I walked away because I had been a massive Hillary Clinton supporter, actually. I was blogging for Hillary. At some point, maybe I will dredge up some of my old pro-Hillary articles that I was writing. I did a ton of research. And at the time, because I had just made us an assumption that Hillary was all love, light, and you know cookies... I did a whole ton of research into Obama. And what I found out about Obama was that he was not all love, light, and cookies. And, and he actually has a, you know, very, in some ways, a very sordid past. And in the least, wasn't the savior that everybody made him out to be. And I became very, very alarmed. I was in Los Angeles at the time. And the cult-like atmosphere around Obama was super scary. I mean, people were just swooning over him. And we had Obama everywhere. We had yoga studios doing Obama yoga classes and and it was and people would also get hostile towards Hillary Clinton, Clinton supporters if they were Obama supporters. So there was this weird dynamic going on where there was these kind of inter um, intra whatever you call them inter party battles going on. And and so and I couldn't understand why they wouldn't just like have Hillary be the nominee and have Obama be the vice president, but the, the DNC decided, for whatever the reason, that they were going to put Obama in. And so what they did, or what the gra- grassroots people did, or maybe a collusion of the DNC and the grassroots people, is that they basically cheated on the caucuses. And there was a lot of evidence to this. It's probably hard to find now, but I tracked this. I, there's no doubt in my mind that they basically cheated to get Obama in. And I know now you say, well, if you say that there's any sort of election fraud and you're undermining democracy, that's BS. It's just such BS. So once I saw that, and I saw what they did, they actually took superdelegates from Hillary and gave them to Obama too. I was furious, as was a lot of uh, other Hillary Clinton supporters. And we became what were known then as PUMAs, which was an acronym for Party Unity My Ass. Party Unity My Ass, PUMAs. So we were we were trying to fight this and we wanted to have more electric election integrity. And basically they treated us kind of not dissimilarly to <laughs> what you're seeing now today. So I, I was like, well, screw the Democrats. They don't even believe in democracy. They don't even, you know, have fair and safe um, uh, elections, uh, internal elections. And I don't trust them anymore. And basically got extremely disillusioned by, by it. Um, and it basically just in some ways destroyed my life because I had so identified with being a Democrat and being a progressive. And when you have that identity on you, it is, it's your identity. You feel good because you're a progressive. It makes you feel like you're important and special 
and that you're making the world a better place. So it is very wrapped up in people's egos. And this is what we are dealing with with the people who are pro-vaccine. I understand the mindset and the emotions because I've been there. And it takes a lot to break through that. So I have mentioned before, I think in another podcast, that I had a friend, a male friend. He was a white male. And we had been best buds. I mean, not like best, best buds, but good buds for like 10 years or something. And that summer, I had spent quite a bit of extra time with him because he was struggling and he was depressed and he was possibly having a drinking problem. Well, I can't say that for sure. And I was really trying to be there and help him because I felt bad for him. And so I was trying to encourage him to get out and meet people. He was upset they didn't have a girlfriend. Now, this was one of those guys where it was like, if we can't ever find somebody else, because we were both single, maybe we'll marry each other someday. This was that kind of friend. And so I remember I took him to a meeting at an environmental organization called Heal the Bay, because I was also an active environmentalist. I was active in Heal the Bay as a volunteer. I was uh, also a member of the Surfrider organization, and I had a big commitment to clean oceans. I still have a commitment to clean oceans. I'm still an environmentalist in that respect, but I'm not a big fan of the whole climate change narrative, which is a whole other story. This is why you can't stereotype me. Anyway, so when McCain nominated Sarah Palin, I was super excited because I was like, wow, Republicans are now you know, being more inclusive and they have a woman VP. I'm, I was super excited and he left me this message that was kind of sexist and dismissive of her. And I was really shocked. And I, I think I called him back probably. Maybe I emailed him, but I think I called and I was like, I was like, hey, I'm really excited. It's so great to see a woman nominated for the Republicans. And then he disowned me. He did. He disowned me. That was it. That was the last time I talked to him. He sent me an email saying, I'm not friends with Republicans. I only talk to my cousin who's a Republican because he's a family member and I'm never going to speak to you again. And I was like, what? And I emailed him back and I'm like, dude, I didn't become a Republican. And he never emailed me back. I've never spoken to him since. I, I, I didn't even know he was political. So this was a defining moment in my life. Thank you, Scott, for waking me up. I, I'm st- to, to this day, I'm still shocked and stunned by it. I, it. And it saddens me because I was trying to be there for him and he wasn't there for me in return. And so I found this out about people who have identified so much with being a Democrat that they're willing to destroy a 10-year friendship over, over, over nothing. This is what we're dealing with. It is like a cult. And once that happened to me, I became much more open and sympathetic to conservatives. And I used to hate conservatives. So I ended up moving to Austin, Texas at some point, And I actually joined a Toastmasters group called Speaking of Liberty, which is open to everybody. But there was definitely more libertarian and Republican bet. And I kind of became more of a libertarian. And I'm not really a like a formal libertarian. There's a lot of craziness on the libertarian side that I'm not on board with. Uh, and then I'm not a fan of the Republican Party. I'm basically politically homeless. But that was actually a diverse group. Like uh, our treasurer was a, a black guy who was a libertarian. So please don't tell me that like only white people are on the so-called right. I don't even consider libertarian to be right. There's left-leaning libertarians. There's right-leaning libertarians. So yeah, I had a I had a really good time with that. But then I also went and got a job at the biggest yoga studio in Austin. So here I am. I'm a yoga teacher in Austin, which is very, very progressive. 
And there's an expectation that if you're in a yoga studio, everybody's progressive. So I had to be kind of like living this weird double life where I was like hanging out with the bad libertarians and conservatives. <laughs> and then I'm also going to the yoga classes and making friends at the yoga studio. And so it was like, it was kind of weird. And there was a, I, I had to in some ways stop expressing myself freely, particularly on Facebook, because I was at the yoga studio. And I felt very, very suppressed by this in a way. And I think that was actually bad for my health. I think it contributed at least in a small part to my getting sick in 2017, because I felt so stifled in so many respects. And because of that experience I'd had with my friend Scott, I became terrified that if I was honest with people that I they would disown me or, or be mean to me. And I've certainly had that happen in direct and indirect ways over the years. Uh, and I, the thing with I've, I found with it is that in my time spent hanging out with people who are quote unquote right wingers, they are far more tolerant, loving and kind in general than a lot of people on the left these days. And I don't know why that is. And I'm not saying all people on the right are loving and kind. There's a lot of assholes out there too. Most of them I just see online though. In person, I haven't experienced that at all. Um, but with with people on the left, they've gotten very like nasty, very mean and very nasty, and they'll disown you. And so they, frankly, in some ways, I don't want to say they terrify me, but they have terrified me. They scare me because I don't know what I might say that might trigger them. So here's a little, another anecdote I want to share because it t completely expresses this. And I had also mentioned in a footnote in my article yesterday that I was in a Sufi school that I ended up leaving. This was a, uh, it's the University of Sufism slash, in, um, uh, what's the, there's another name for it. There's actually two schools in one, Institute of Spiritual Healing. And so I was in level one and we were in a, we have small group classes where I think that small group was like 20 people. And then there's like the entire school, which was like, you know, could be hundreds of people. And I'm in the small group class and the topic was what triggers you? And so we were supposed to be honest. And, you know, if you're doing Sufi stuff, you're supposed to be honest. So this was like after the George Floyd thing. Now I'm going to here, let me step even further into the deep doo doo <laughs> and say uh, when that video came out, I was shocked just like everybody else and horrified. But then I read somebody saying somewhere online, they said, let just wait, more information is going to come out before you make a final judgment. I was like, all right, I'm an INTP, by the way, and Myers-Briggs and INTP is uh, someone who thinks more than they feels like we, we, we still feel but we're more of thinkers. And I think this also explains why people act the way that they do, or maybe they more maybe more immune. Because I'm a thinker over a feeler, I will react differently to things. So I'm like, okay, I want to get more information. I'm not going to immediately assume that this was motivated by racism, like everybody else did. I think that I personally think it is racist to assume racism because somebody has a is white or any other skin color. Now, I know there's this idea out there that you can't be racist against white people. And I think that is actually racist. <laughs> so you, you want to get mad at me about it? I'm, I'm just going to say I think it's racist. I do. Uh, so anyway, I, I this was like complete total landmine time, right? Everybody's really emotional and upset. And I'm waiting, waiting for the for the for the other information to come out. And then it does come out. 
the other shoe drops and it turns out that there wasn't just a white cop with his knee on George Floyd's back. There was two other cops, one of which was white and another was was actually black. Yep, there was a black cop with a knee on George Floyd's back. You couldn't see it in the original video because they were behind the car. But then these pictures came out of the backside of the event and there was these three cops. One of them was a black cop that all had their knee on George Floyd's neck. And if you remember, there was an Asian cop who was there too, telling the people who were videotaping to, hey, please, you know, calm down or whatever. So the minute I saw that there was a black guy involved, I was like, well, I don't think this is a clear cut case of racism. But that didn't stop people from claiming that it was racism. I actually had a couple conversations with people online where I said, hey, there was a black guy a black cop who was also involved in subduing George Floyd and they were like, well, he was just expressing his internalized racism. Yeah, so, and I've had conversations with one of my black friends about this and boy, that kind of thing uh, actually, that's, <laughs> let me just say his opinion is that it's actually the, the liberals that tend to be more racist. <laughs> so I'm just sharing with you what he said. This is just, I'm reporting uh, anyway, so it's this is the context, and I'm in this Sufi class, and it's a small group, and I only there were maybe like 15 to 20 people max in the class, and so I said I I have to be honest, with all this stuff going on with George Floyd and everybody so emotional, I don't I didn't say it exactly like this, but it was along these lines. I said I'm afraid to say what I really think because people are going to flip out at me. And I think we need to have a more nuanced look at this, but I just feel like I can't communicate it and express it without people getting really upset. That was kind of the bulk of what I said. And, well, I don't think some of you would be surprised, maybe some of you will be, that one of the women in the class, a white woman, got super triggered by what I said. And rather than saying something there or sending me an email or talking to the teacher, she talked to the marketing person, I believe, over at uh, the Institute of Spiritual Healing, who 15 minutes before a school-wide Zoom call told the guy who runs the Institute of Spiritual Healing, his name's Dr. Jaffe, that there was a problem in Group F. And so Dr. Jaffe gets on the call and says, oh, I hear that, you know, there's a problem with Group F. I didn't know we were going to be talking about it in front of the school. He just decided last minute to like bring it up in front of the school. I don't think he even knew what it was. And so this woman gets on the call in front of a hundred Zoom people and basically accuses me of being an emotionally violent white supremacist and a racist who's a sad, sad woman who clearly doesn't know any people of color. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I was furious. I was super shocked. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, I didn't even know there was a problem with what I said. Like, and... The irony is that one of my best friends is actually a Muslim woman from Pakistan and she had been on the original small group call. She didn't wasn't bothered by what I said and she was on this call with the entire school and she's there in the chat going, this is crazy, I was there, Stephanie didn't do anything wrong, what are you talking about? <laughs> so I literally have like a Muslim Pakistani woman who is there in the chat saying Stephanie's not a racist because she knows I'm one of her best friends. And, and I couldn't believe it. And the woman, and this young woman, she's very nice. I actually like her very much. So I, I don't even blame her so much as the environment in which she's been trained 
she was making all sorts of assumptions about me, like, I don't have any friends of color. Well, the irony is that I actually do have lots of friends of color, uh, and I have probably dated more non-white guys than white guys. And I lived in Los Angeles for years, so I was, like, I was always surrounded by diversity where I lived and the people that I hung out with. I am not a sheltered Becky, as they would say, or a Karen, where I'm now, right now, I'm actually living in a sheltered environment. I moved in with my parents because of my health. And they're in a pretty white neighborhood that's pretty well off. And they are sheltered here. I can see why some white people have a lot of white guilt because they have money here. There's like one Asian family that lives in this neighborhood. Pretty much everybody else is white. And they have money and they are sheltered. And so they probably don't have people of color as their friends Maybe they do some of them, but, you know, right, right where I'm at right now, it is, it is pretty, pretty monochrome. But where I was in LA, I had, you know, there was one apartment complex where my neighbors on my right were a black family and the neighbors on the left were a Asian family. There was Hispanic families. I was like, I was actually probably a minority in the apartment complex, one of the few white people in the apartment complex. And I, you know, right now I, I don't really have any white I have, no, I have maybe one or two white males that I talk to on a regular basis in terms of friends. I have, um, you know, really, like, I already mentioned my my two friends from L.A. who are black and Hispanic who are not Democrats. <laughs> so, and I've had conversations with them about this stuff quite frequently. I have gay friends. I have I have female friends. But not n- none of these, oh, I do have some white male friends who are back in Austin that I don't talk to that much anymore. Um, and they are conservative, but they're not racist. So I personally haven't, I personally don't see the massive racism problem that maybe other people are seeing. And I think maybe if you are in a more white suburban environment, you might think that there's, well, there is a, there's definitely some economic issues here. So I don't want to say that there aren't problems, but you're going to have a different perspective. And I think you'll be more sensitive to not wanting to come off like a racist because you are afraid that you might be a racist because you really do have a pretty white environment that you're in. Whereas for somebody like myself, I have not been in a white environment other than recently. Most of my adult life, I've had I've had boyfriends of all different skin tones and ethnicities and all sorts of things and all sorts of diverse people in my life. I just, I've had a completely different experience. So that was the irony of this woman thinking that I was sheltered (laughs) because I'm like the opposite of sheltered. One of the guys that I used to date was a gang member up in Compton, not Compton, Stockton. Stockton is a really bad gang city in in, uh, California and he'd moved down to LA and he was, oh, he was, his name was Gregorio. He was like nine years younger than me at the time. I was like 31 or 32. And oh, he was super hot when I went out with him. Oh my God. He was like six foot two and he could have been like a model. And I met him at the Bally's Total Fitness in Culver City. He was working there. <laughs> and I don't know, we just hit it off and we, we hung out and he was really cool. And he told me he was one of two guys that got out of the gang and the rest were still stuck there. Um, but I said, did you ever kill anybody? And he's like, no, but I broke somebody's legs once. 
It was just kind of like matter of fact like that. And then he went and became a firefighter for a while. And I don't know why he stopped doing that. And then he was working at Valley's Total Fitness. And last I saw of him on Facebook, um, when I had, I had my old Facebook account, he had a kid or something and was, you know, starting to get a little older, but, you know, still cute. Anyway, he was super nice. And he told me he his parents had come up from Mexico and and they were poor and that they struggled a lot. And he was thinking he wanted to do some sort of film or story about the struggles that they had. So there's definitely struggles that people have in these communities and I don't want to downplay them. But at the same time, I think there's this assumption of racism that's being used right now to throw at people politically. And what's happened on the left is that they have gotten so triggered and upset by it that you can't talk to them about it without them getting very upset. And here's another little story I wanted to share. I had a ex uh, in uh, LA and he reconnected with me on Facebook and I didn't know who he was, but he made this like, because he had changed his name and had put on like a weird avatar. He had written something. He was really upset by Trump and he had written this crazy post where he had, it was all caps and uh, he'd had previous drug problems. So I don't know, maybe he was having a relapse or something, but he was like, these Trump people was after they had the, the um, what do you call it? The protest in Michigan with the open carry, which was a really bad idea optically. And he was like, these Trump supporters, we need to all beat them up with baseball bats or something. It was very violent and it terrified me. I had no idea who he was. I was like, whoa. And actually, I never do this, but I kind of reported it to Facebook because I was like, whoever this is, is could harm somebody. And then I found out later it was my ex. <laughs> I felt really stupid and bad about it. Um, I was like, oh, because I know he wouldn't really hurt a fly. He was just freaking out. Um, but so he kept writing all these posts about Trump. He was so obsessed and so full of hate against Trump and, and really working himself up into a tizzy. And I felt bad for him. And one point he wrote about, oh, all these Trump supporters are racists. And so I went on his Facebook feed and I was like, dude, I've got Trump supporter friends who are black and Hispanic and they don't think Trump's a racist and they don't experience his supporters as racist. So I don't think it's as bad as you think it is. And maybe you could calm down. That was the wrong thing to say. So what do you think happened? He got really upset and triggered. He wrote me this really, really long message in Messenger. And then he disowned me and he unfriended me and blocked me and he won't speak to me now. And I found his website and I sent him an email and I was like, I won't say his name, but I was like, dude, I was just trying to calm you down because I was getting really concerned about your mental health and he never wrote me back. <laughs> so this is the environment that we're in. People have gotten really, really easily triggered. They are very much, uh, if you try to talk them down from it, they will get upset with you because then they, it sounds like you are denying the problem or you're being like a Holocaust denier. And then that's more proof that you actually are a racist. And it's, so you can't win. You can't, there's really no, I don't know if there's any way to get through to them. And unfortunately now with this whole backdrop of what I just explained, they're now tying that emotional thing with, with the racism and the quote unquote systemic racism with being anti-vax. So what do you think is going to happen? This is not good. And once they paint it as that, and they've made the, when I say they, I mean like the media and the politicians, once they paint it as that, it's going to be very, very hard to get any sort of messaging through because people have been basically emotionally primed and triggered to have like an emotional reaction 
and they, they are unable to think at that point. And they're more than willing to disown you because now they've convinced themselves that you are the evil enemy. So I, this has obviously been happening with the Canadian convoy. They're going to do this with the U.S. convoy. It's why I'm concerned about it and why I think it's not necessarily the best idea. Meanwhile, we might be going to war with Russia. And they like to blame the anti-vax thing on Russia, too. You can read my post from yesterday where I talked a little bit about this kind of in a bit of an oblique way. And there's a clip that I shared of a Canadian MP who was claiming that honk honk means Heil Hitler, which is, I'm sorry, it doesn't mean that. And once again, if you, if, if a person is bought into that idea and I laugh at it, they're going to think I'm being cruel or mean or uh, in denial or whatever. But I'm sorry, it just isn't true. It's a lie. I will give you a little bit more history on this so that maybe you have some context if you try to talk to people. But uh, here it is real quick and then I'll wrap up because I got other things to do today and this is longer than I intended it to be. So here's the deal. Back I think around when Hillary Clinton was running for president, uh, there's this board called, it's a website. It's kind of a bulletin board called 4chan. It's been around for years. It's crazy. It's completely uncensored. So people go there to blow off steam and you'll see all sorts of hor horrible, stupid, racist, ridiculous things there. And some of them might be genuine. And I personally think, and based on what I've been hearing from other people, a lot of it's just like teenagers who now are in this society where they can't say those types of things. So they're going there to kind of LARP and role play and act like jerks just to blow off steam and go, oh, look, I said this stupid racist thing. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're racist. Now, I know that some people say, no, that does mean that they're racist because they're saying that. Well, I, I like to try to say that people are, I try to look at the best in people, not the worst in people. And, and if a teenager is just being stupid and they aren't really meaning it, I don't want to write them off as some horrible, evil person that's beyond, uh, uh, that can't ever be a good person, I guess. So anyway, so, so, and then there's these kind of, they call them autists, these kind of autistic uh, people or people on the spectrum. Now I'm actually high up on the spectrum myself. So I think that's why I might, I might get this a little bit more than other people do. So these people have a weird sense of humor. And with this sort of whole racism thing, they decided to kind of make fun of it. Because they saw that the media and the left was always making everything racist. So they're like, well, why don't we just like panic them even more? Which probably wasn't a good idea because it would, they they succeeded. They basically panicked them even more. So what they did was they, well, what what can we make that racist that's not actually racist? And, and they decided to make up some things to see if the media would pick up on it and suddenly make it a racist thing. So one of the things they picked up on was the OK sign. You know, that's like where you put your... Uh, your index finger and your thumb together and you make the okay sign they're like we're gonna make that racist it wasn't racist they made it up and they weren't serious they were joking and so they they took the three fingers that are up pointed up and they turned that into a w and then they turned the circle made with the uh, index finger and the thumb into a p and said oh look this means white power and they made this little graphic which if I can find, I will put into the article below. So they made this little graphic saying, look, the OK symbol means white power. And they started posting this around the internet. And sure enough, the media caught up on it and were like, oh, look, 
the okay symbol is a symbol for racism. <laughs> when a lot of times when people would use the symbol, they were basically trolling the media and saying, you guys are a bunch of morons who fell for our troll. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. So they were trolling and then the media picked up on it. And so the same thing has happened with Pepe the Frog. Pepe the Frog is like, it's a cartoon frog. He's kind of a sad looking frog. And for whatever reason, some of the people, particularly on the Donald uh, Reddit forum, which has now been closed down, uh, they moved to a website. I think it's the Donald.win or something or Patriots.win or something like that now. And, and so they started using Pepe the Frog as their mascot. And Pepe the Fro Pepe's not racist. Pepe's, first of all, a green frog, but uh, it's kind of the same thing. Some people on 4chan would put Pepe into, you know, racist context kind of as a joke, or maybe some of them were serious, but that doesn't mean that every time somebody puts a Pepe on something, they're about racism. They just think Pepe's cute and funny. And, and so Hillary Clinton got really upset about Pepe the Frog because they would make fun of her with Pepe the Frog and so made it about to be oh, it's this big symbol of white supremacy when it really isn't. And so uh, this is where this connection with the honk honk is. And I explained it a little bit in my article yesterday, but I'll comment a little bit more on it right now. So the short version is that as the world became crazier, they came up with this idea of calling the world clown world, which is like, boy, things are really stupid and crazy. And it's just ridiculous. So we're going to make fun of it. And they put a Pepe into a clown kind of outfit with a rainbow hat. Now, for some, this is a little bit of a dig at LGBTQ, but it's also just he's a clown and that's a clown uh, clown wig. And then he has a big red nose. And when he honks his nose, kind of like Bozo the Clown, it goes honk, honk. And so when they say honk, honk, they're saying the world's really stupid and crazy. It's not saying Heil Hitler. None of these people want to have more state control. They are, it's, it's funny to me because on the one hand, you'll see the media say, oh, well, these convoy posters are anti-government, but they're Nazis. Do you not understand that the Nazis were, were like a totalitarian oppressive government? So you can't be anti-government and pro-Nazi at the same time. It doesn't, it just doesn't fit. So anyway, uh, so years before the convoy, people were posting honk honk and Pepe the Clown memes to say we're in clown world and the world's just crazy. And then coincidentally, we have a convoy coming out where now there's literally honking going on. And so quite a few people don't realize that there's this previous honk honk meme that had predated the convoy. Now to make things even a little crazier and weird, if you read my article yesterday, I put a link to a website where they lay out this crazy timeline of how there are these weird coincidences surrounding the Pepe meme and, and they're kind of joking, but they're kind of not. And that somehow it's related to this ancient Egyptian frog god and that it can manifest things. So as a, you know, somebody who's been in dabbling in the new age, I actually find this a bit interesting because this idea of like your thoughts create your reality, which I don't believe like it happens literally all the time, but that there's a consciousness that somehow kind of can create synchronicities or whatever you call. So there is this weird synchronicity with Pepe and his Pepe the Clown honking and the honking of the trucks. It is, it is an odd synchronicity. So check out that website and just 
prepare to be a little bit kind of puzzled at least, or if you find those types of things interesting, I do. I just found that was really interesting. Uh, I'm not sure people who read my article yesterday really got what I was saying, so I wanted to explain a little bit more because it is a little weird and a little, uh, this is a little off the wall. I am definitely getting into some rabbit holes here in this audio file, but I just kind of wanted to get into it because uh, we do have this issue that they're trying to conflate anti-vax with, with right-wing, racist, misogynist, that sort of thing, and it's definitely not true. Some of my friends who are against the vaccines, once again, they're not white dudes. They're not white or they're female. So I'm female. So it's it's just a lie. And uh, we have to just, I, I'm thinking more about this. How do we break through all this emotional programming that people have? Because because it is, it is very cult-like and it is hard to break through. But we need to we need to try to reach out and and also I just would like to say that try not to respond in kind because that just makes it worse. It freaks them out even more. It gets them more defensive, and then the, we kind of ping pong back and forth. This is why I really prefer more of a an aikido approach. Aikido is about redirecting the energy towards you and using that energy as opposed to like going on a direct attack. I don't think it works very well, but I'll try to write something up more about this if I can if I can come up with a better way of articulating this. Anyway, I hope this was interesting. I hope you know. I, I hope I didn't offend anybody. I'm sure I did. Uh, well, maybe I didn't. <laughs> but if you got this far, maybe I didn't. Um, try not to be so offended by everybody. Try to look beyond and look for the goodness in people's hearts, even people you disagree with. We need to start coming together, and I urge you to stop. Uh, trying to fight hate with hate. Try to try to fight hate with love. So love people that you disagree with. That includes people who are trying to push vaccine mandates. Try to love them too, uh, or whatever side you're on. If you if you're listening to this and you're very pro-vax and you're upset at people like me, try to love us too. Okay, let's try to love everybody. Uh, I love you. I hope you love me, and we'll all be a happy family. Maybe not. Alrighty. Thank you. Bye bye.